This is Driven By, a podcast where we explore the intersection between passion and purpose. Sitting down and having conversations with risk takers, change makers, builders, and entrepreneurs to find out what it is that drives them. I'm Carlin, as you obviously know, um, and I am a teacher of many types. I'm a fourth grade teacher. I'm a yoga teacher and I live here in DC. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I, um, think you just hit nail on the head. It's like amazing to me how rooted in the word teacher you are just by the way that you are teaching young people, the way that you are leading yoga classes, the way that I feel like you are also teaching people to have a little bit more self-awareness and compassion for themselves as well in your own presence. Um, of course. So I think we have to kick this off. And I always think it's interesting to understand kind of how you have come to be the person that you are. Um, so maybe we could kick it back to how you kind of got to a place where you knew that you were going to lead into teaching. It's funny. Cause like, I feel like this is so common for teachers, like school teachers, but it, there was just never a question. Like I lit, I know a lot of kids like grow up playing school and like teaching your younger siblings and like stuffed animals and that kind of thing. But like literally since like kindergarten, I was like, I'm going to be a teacher. And I never even really explored anything else mm-hmm. because I just like, I never knew a lot of things, but that was the one thing that I knew. Um, and it's, it's also funny because like my fourth grade teacher had such a big influence on me and that's kind of when I solidified, like, I want to be a fourth grade teacher. And I have so interesting. been a fourth grade. I did my student teaching in fourth grade. Um, and I've been teaching fourth grade for five years. So I always say I'm like very intuitive and not everybody <laughs> believes me, but I swear, like, I just always knew, like yeah. there were no questions. I mean, you would be the first person that I've had on the show that, um, this podcast, if you will, that, they're what they wanted to be when they grew up and who they are, are the exact same. What does that mean for you? Like, how does that make you feel as you kind of think back and reflect yeah, on the fact that you've connected entirely with that? It just like, I think it grounds me on like my hardest days and like, you know, how people say like, the universe has you exactly where you're supposed to be. So like teaching, especially in the current environment and COVID and everything has been really challenging. But like at the end of the day, I know that I'm exactly where I want to be. Um, and I'm where I'm supposed to be. And I think even as my career evolves, even if I leave the classroom, like I'm a team lead at my school. So I think I'll always be in some sort of like educational leadership. It's just like what I feel like I was called to do. And it, it makes me feel like, yeah, you know, someone who's just going right into it, like I had an eating disorder and like struggled with like my Mm self-worth. That is like my worth. Like, yeah. I mean, I think people are probably wondering, uh, Hey Karen, why do you know a fourth grade teacher? Cause I am not in fourth grade. I don't have any children. <laughs> um, but I think the moment where I realized, um, 
kind of the impact that I felt like you had on me, and I might get like semi-emotional, so just bear with me, um, was a moment where you showed unbelievable vulnerability and sharing with um, people in a very public space that, you know, you had struggled with body image, which is something that a lot of women, a lot of people struggle with, myself included, when I was younger. Um, But I think it's more important to mention that the way that I became aware of you is because of the motions that you take as a yoga teacher in the area. So not to take away from the teaching that you do in the classroom Mm -hmm. and what you do as an educator, but I think it's interesting to also maybe touch on the evolution of how you got to teaching yoga. Yes. Because it's slowly becoming part of your identity. 100%. Yeah. Um, It's really interesting because I wouldn't have yoga without my eating disorder. It was actually like the number one thing that everyone recommended to me. Like as soon as, you know, people realized that like I had a problem, um, and I absolutely hated it. Like I couldn't touch my toes. I've always been like, you know, tall with long legs and like, I never stretched. Like I was athletic into sports and stuff, but I tried yoga like five times and I was like, this is the dumbest shit ever. (laughs) Like I, I literally just hated it. Um, I remember like I went to Penn state, love to party. I remember there were times that I would just be like hungover and just like in a bad space. And like, maybe I'll try this yoga thing again. And I would literally get out like a bath towel and like sit on my like disgusting apartment floor and like try and do yoga. And I was just like, no, it sucks. Um, but it kind of just like clicked for me one time. Um, and that's, really led me to be like the type of person that doesn't give up because had I given up on yoga, like I don't even know where my life would be, but, um, yeah. So I got really into it and I practiced for about a year and a half and I just like started to see myself become a different person. Um, and it's interesting because when I first did my teacher training, I was still like very sick, Mm -hmm. especially mentally. And, I was like in a headspace where I thought like, well, this is going to cure me. Like I'm paying thousands of dollars to become a (laughs) yoga teacher and like, I will be healed and enlightened. And, um, obviously that was not the case, but it brought me to like where I needed to be in my life Mm -hmm. in order to, you know, be healed or be on a journey to healing. Um, so yeah, I, while it's, you know, it wasn't like the thing that it was the thing that changed me, but I was the thing that changed me Mm -hmm. more so than that. So, um, yes, it wasn't until like three years ago that I feel like I really started to evolve as a yoga teacher and really become like, I don't know if you feel this way, but when I first started yoga, and it was like huge on Instagram. Yeah. It felt like a competition and like, it felt like I can't do this cause I can't do like all these things that. Yeah. Imposter syndrome. Yeah, You're exactly. I mean like this is, I'm not, I can't be a yoga teacher. I can't even do a handstand. Right. Yeah. And it wasn't until like three years ago that I was just like, I am a yoga, like this is part of my identity. Like I'm a yoga teacher and like, I want to help people to take those steps to like, not be that person who looks at someone doing a pose and is like, no, I can't do that. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I think what you're, what you're pointing out is so interesting because, um, for somebody to practice for so long, to struggle with that connecting point, that thing that to, to kind of step into a space where all of a sudden it clicks and then to make an investment in yourself, which people don't realize like becoming a yoga teacher is not cheap. It's no literally thousands of dollars. And by the way, you don't get paid a lot as a yoga teacher either. So it might as well be like going to grad school, which you're also (laughs) presently in. Um, but I mean, it's, it's just, it's a very interesting journey and to know that you, um, you know, were in a place where previously you had struggled with also body image to also get to a place where, you know, you're now feeling imposter syndrome as a yoga teacher. I mean, we are having to kind of go through like multiple instances of like understanding your identity and identity is so important when it comes to honing in on, in my opinion, and tell me what you think, but honing in on the things that you're really passionate about and allowing them to guide you purposefully. It's impossible to do that unless you are able to confidently become attached to your identity is like a statement I would say. Um, I agree. And I think, you know, what's interesting is that again, you're a teacher period. Like that's, Mm -hmm. that is your identity and it is identified not just in the education system, but also in the, in the fitness space, we'll call it fitness space, healing space, all that good stuff. And I just think it's so impressive that it like, that has become so much of who you are. Um, I think you mentioned, uh, this idea of healing and I wonder if, uh, you can talk a little bit about what it is like to use that word just because I think it is a tough word to pinpoint because you're kind of always healing, mm-hmm. right? We're always constantly healing. Yeah. Um, and especially being in education. So, I mean, you're very like, you're, you're intelligent, like you're, you're learning things all the time. How do, how do you kind of think about your healing journey? How do you think about your yoga teacher journey? How do you think about your like learning to become an educator? How does all of that sort of like meld into one space for you? Yeah. So, I mean, this comes back to like, I know we'll get into this, but like what I'm driven by and like yeah. that's growth. And I feel like healing is synonymous with growing. And like, I've had to learn that there's no end point. Mm-hmm. There's just like this constant journey. And I know it sounds cliche because people say that all the time, but, um, I think one of the major problems for me when I was, I, struggled with, um, I, I still struggle with body dysmorphia. Um, but I mainly struggled with bulimia and anorexia. And Mm -hmm. my biggest problem was that I like had this picture in my mind of like how I was going to heal. And I believed that in order to start that journey of healing, I needed to be sicker and I needed to hit like really hit rock bottom, rock bottom. Yeah. Um, and that was obviously so toxic. And one day, um, it just, you know, there's a whole story behind like why it clicked for me, but it just clicked for me that like, I'm like killing myself chasing perfection Mm -hmm. when I should be chasing growth. I should be chasing, like becoming a better person. I should be chasing, like changing who I am on the inside because, you know, obviously something's not right. Um, so I think, And healing, uh, it goes back to like the whole like yoga world. Like I think when I say I'm a yoga teacher, you know, especially like shout out to my brothers are like, Oh, like, you know, it's all woo woo. (laughs) Like, and 
I think like, no, I have to say like the biggest part of my healing journey besides yoga has been Prozac. Mm -hmm. Like realizing that like part of healing is like surrendering Mm -hmm. and like recognizing that you need help. And like, so yeah, like what I post on Instagram is like, Oh, like, look at me, I'm meditating. But like what I don't post on Instagram is like, pop in my Prozac every yeah. morning. And like, that is part of what gets me by and like having a supportive partner and going to therapy every week. Mm-hmm. Like there's just so much to it. And it's, it's not just like this woo woo thing of like enlightenment and it's like hard work. It's yeah. like blood, sweat and tears. Yeah. I mean, I would say I would challenge your brother slightly <laughs> and, and say simply that like yoga does teach you in the many different forms of yoga that exist. And I know you teach, you know, um, primarily vinyasa style Mm -hmm. and I do the same. Um, but I also think that you like have a much more restorative and like meditative practice too, which is like, I, I'm, I wish I want, I want that in my future. Um, but yoga as the way it teaches you to teach a class, it teaches you to warm up the body. So to become open, receptive, Mm -hmm. it teaches you to then look to challenge the body. Okay. Acknowledge where you need that like opportunity to grow. And it also forces you to surrender at the very end. Right. So what it is from a structural perspective is very similar to essentially the journey that you've had to go through healing. So Mm -hmm. it makes sense to me as another yoga teacher, but maybe not for people on the outside, how important yoga was for your journey to at least become more consciously aware of that growth mindset. And it's something that I, I attach to a ton. So I feel that where, where is the, where is the connection point for you, um, to get to the place where you are today with your, not just being an educator, not just being in grad school, but to be somebody that also has like their own brand that they're essentially building as it relates to yoga. How have you gotten to this point? Um, where have you seen success and where have you seen challenges? So, um, I, this whole, like kind of like building a brand thing is actually new for me. Um, so when COVID happened, I, kind of got Zoom burnout because I was teaching yoga on Zoom and I was also teaching fourth grade on Zoom. So I decided, yeah, too much. Um, So I decided after a couple months of teaching both of those things on Zoom that I was going to take a break from teaching yoga. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was going to start a YouTube channel. And so I could still kind of teach and like put something out to the world, but also get a break from like that virtual Mm -hmm. life. And I wanted to film like these short classes that were like very consumable for people who were like stuck inside and, you know, wanting to try yoga, but also not having time to like log into a 60 minute class. So I did that. Um, and that was June of 2020. Mm -hmm. Um, but I didn't really take it seriously until I, this past, um, August. Shout out to my friend Taylor. Um, we had her and her boyfriend or fiance over for dinner and, um, she just kind of like said it like bluntly, like, you know, if you want to grow this, like you, like, why don't you have an Instagram for this? Like, cause mm-hmm. I, you know, at the time I only had my personal Instagram and like, I found that like, I was like, so 
kind of like embarrassed to like put myself out there and like, it goes back to that imposter syndrome. Well, like, yeah. why would people want to consume what I am putting out there? Um, so she kind of, it was that week, it was the beginning of the school year. So probably like early September, she was just like, you have to make an Instagram. Like you have to kind of like go all in. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was just in September that I really started like building my brand as like calm with Carlin and like really marketing my YouTube channel and trying to like find my niche and like my targeted audience yeah. and looking into like, you know, what do they call it? Like the SEO, mm-hmm. all of the, you know, all the analytics yeah. of it. Um, so and like, and it's been hard because it does like, you know, you feel vulnerable, like putting yourself out there. And I, I worry about like my students finding my Instagram and like learning about me and like that kind of thing. But, um, that's been like a very recent thing for me. Yeah. Like, Trying were, to build a brand. Where were you teaching prior to COVID? Were you teaching in Yoga studio? District? Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. So June 2020, that's like early, you know, for you, like mm-hmm. a, a lot of people weren't, they were kind of just sitting around still at that point, but yeah. you like jumped in. You obviously were teaching on Zoom. Was initially, was it just like folks that were previously attending your classes that sort of came around? Yeah. It was, you know, the regular clients of yoga district. And I, I love the clientele at yoga district. Like it, you know, great people, but just between like the internet issues and Oh my God, I know. Like it it was just too much. Um, and I knew that I needed like a break Mm -hmm. somewhere. And I did pick back up in the summer a little bit when I, um, kind of had more time on my hands, not being teaching fourth grade, but, um, I did then in the fall again, decide like, I'm just going to focus on the YouTube channel. And that's when I went to grad school. So, you know, I had other things (laughs) on my plate too. So is everyone hearing this? She literally does it all. Um, I think the YouTube channel is so interesting to me and I have spent just a little bit of time, um, like consuming it just because I, like very many yoga teachers, like feel like I never dedicate enough time to my practice. But what you have done is you have created a space where they are short segments, but it gives people an opportunity to just set aside a little bit of time. Mm-hmm. As you were coming up with this idea, and I know you alluded to some of this already, what was sort of like the inspiration? Because not a lot of people feel like you have to sit down, you have to do a 45 to 60 minute class. And I know I personally struggled with committing to a 60 minute yoga class virtually when I was taking classes during Mm -hmm. COVID because it's just hard. There's a lot of distractions and so forth, but what was sort of your, your thought process behind it? How did you choose YouTube? Um, maybe you can just share a little bit about your own personal journey to kind of determining what your platform is going to look like. Yeah. So I think in therapy at the time I was exploring like identity Mm -hmm. and I was kind of feeling like when COVID first started, I kind of got back into like old habits. I had a lot of time on my hands. Um, My school district had some major mess ups Mm -hmm. when starting virtual learning. So we ended up having like a three week spring break. So the first three weeks of COVID, like I had nothing. Um, and I do, I do think I do a little bit too much, but I do thrive like having a lot on my plate. I like the hustle of things. Um, 
so that was rough for me. So I like started over exercising. I was like, okay, 60 minutes of yoga in the morning, then I'm going to go on a 10 mile run. Then I'm going to hit the gym, like really toxic stuff. Um, so I was exploring like my identity with my therapist and we were talking about how like, well, like, you know, you just pick one, like you go for the run or you go to the gym or you do yoga. And then the Mm -hmm. next day you do the other thing. And I was like, well, the problem is I want to do more than yoga, but like, if I don't like do my hour of yoga, like how can I be a yoga teacher? Yeah. And we kind of like got into this idea of like, what does it mean to be a yoga teacher? Like someone who practices yoga for 60 minutes every day. Like, um, what does it mean to you? It, I think it means, so my favorite quote that I kind of relate to my yoga classes is a quote by Caroline Meese. Um, and it's called, the book is called anatomy of the spirit, but she says you're, um, your biography becomes your biology. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty much what yoga means to me. Like that's powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you're not just like exercising or relaxing or doing breath work. You're like exploring yourself Mm -hmm. and your life. And there's a lot of undoing in yoga. Yeah. Um, I just like this whole conversation I, for people that don't like, you don't know, I'm just sitting here crying. No, I love you. <laughs> um, oh my God. But yeah, like that, you know, that's what it is. Like, and crying on my yoga mat is my absolute favorite thing to do oh, because yeah. a good that, all the things please. that come out, like, so that is, you know, that's what it means to me to be a yoga teacher. And in exploring that with my therapist, like she was like, okay, so it has nothing to do with like getting on your mat for 60 mm-hmm. minutes a day or doing, I think at this point I was like really obsessed with like a handstand press and I like could not get it. And, yeah, you know, so I, I was just like in having this attitude of feeling like I need to do all of this and be all of this. What message am I sending to my students of yoga? Um, And it's the same thing with like my kids. Like I need to make mistakes in front of them. I need to be honest with them. I need to be transparent. I need to like show them the reality of like being a human being in in the real world. Um, And I kind of had to take that into my yoga practice and challenge myself to say like, you know what, all I have time for today is 15 minutes and like, it's going to be 15 minutes for me. And that's all that matters. Yeah. And that's so relatable, right. To like so many people. So Mm -hmm. that's why I think I love what you've kind of cultivated and created in your, your own space. And I, again, everyone's different. Some people don't have that like they don't see the value in that people are like looking for caloric burn or they're looking for, um, an opportunity to be like, I sweat today. Like, and Mm -hmm. I'm that person sometimes a hundred percent of the time, Yeah, you know, I get it. But at the same time, it's so relatable to, for there to be people that are like, I just want to slow down. Mm -hmm. I just want to take 15 minutes. I just need this time. And I think what you've done is you've created a space where it's highly accessible to people, um, which is, I think is so important because yoga frequently gets kind of overthought. Yeah. Um, so I, I mean, I'm very impressed with, with what you, that is why I chose YouTube to answer your second question. Cause I did want it to be free and accessible and, um, 
as someone who like, you know, I had a great life. I, I grew up very privileged, but my parents were very like hard on me in the sense that like tie your own rent, figure it out. Like mm-hmm. there's no handouts in life. You had a good 18 years and now it's time mm-hmm. to like, you know, create this life for yourself. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I didn't have the money for the, all these like expensive yoga classes. So just thinking back to people starting off, I wanted, I wanted it to be a space where like it could be free, but also like warm and, um, welcoming and not too robotic. As you think about your business and we'll call it a business. I mean, this, this podcast is a hundred percent a podcast where we talk to entrepreneurs, risk takers, change makers. I think personally that you're a change maker. Like I think that even if you don't realize it yet, I, I think that you are creating a space where you're allowing people to be a part of your own individualized healing while other people are also potentially healing by just being in your presence. Um, but there is potential for entrepreneurship in mm-hmm. terms of what you've kind of cultivated and created with your brand and how you're continuing along this journey. Do you see a space or do you have ambitions to put a paywall and have people pay you for your services virtually? I know you do like in person mm-hmm. with pay, obviously. Yeah. But do you see a place where that evolves and grows for you? Or is that like not even top of mind right now? I see. I like, I mean, the big goal is like, I mean, ideally I would like to be like yoga with Adrian, you know, like she, <laughs> like she, we all want to be her. Yeah. Um, you know, she gets paid for what she does. Cause you know, she's got like the advertisers and everything, sure. but people can still access her content for free. Um, I think right now I am just trying to like grow, you know, I'm new to the whole like Instagram thing. I'm trying to grow like my social media following, trying to get the word out about my channel and as it evolves. And more importantly, once I finish grad school, um, then I will have, you know, more time to like explore that kind of thing. But I think where I am right now in this like space of just like working on growing, Mm -hmm. um, I haven't really looked past it. Like I know that I have big ambitions and I always have, um, because I will tell you while I'm driven by growth, I'm also someone who's driven by money for sure. sure. So like, yeah, it's definitely something that I would like to explore, but right now my, you know, my in-person classes and my private clients help with that. Yeah. Um, so I like having it for free, but yeah, there's definitely lots of possibilities. Do you find yourself ever sitting at a crossroads between what you do day in, day out, nine to five, i.e. like being a regular, Mm -hmm. being a regular fourth grade teacher. Um, and then the, what you feel when you're teaching a yoga class, do you find yourself ever at a crossroads or do they feel like they're the same thing for you? I, it's so funny because like people who regularly attend my yoga classes will know that like I talk about my kids so much in my class. Um, and I'll just give you one quick example. Like I do this activity with my kids in class. It's called see, think, wonder. And I'll put like a primary source up on the board Mm -hmm. and they go through the process of seeing, thinking, and wondering. 
Um, they have to first just observe, no judgment, no inferences, like just tell me exactly what you see. Um, and then what do you think? Now you can infer, what do you wonder? What questions do you have? And it seems like such a simple activity, but I I've said in my classes before, like I always find my kids jumping to the think, like they want to say like what they think it is. I'm like, you don't know that you need Mm -hmm. to tell me what you see. And it's frustrating, you know, because I'm like, this is so simple. Um, and it's one of those things that like, I found myself like in my life and in my practice, just being like, whoa, like you're thinking, like you just got to see right now. Um, so I feel like there have been so many, uh, my kids have influenced like my teaching in so many ways because it's so intertwined and I've learned so much from them that I've been able to like bring onto the mat. And I've learned so much on the mat that I've been able to like bring into my classroom. So Mm -hmm. I'm constantly like doing both. I feel like, like I'll have a kid say something and I'm like, Oh my God, that just like gave me an idea for my class this Sunday. Like it is so connected. Yeah. I think that's, that's beautiful. One of the other things that I am very impressed by is your ability to cultivate a space where meditation feels accessible. Meditation is a super hard thing Mm -hmm. to do. How have you personally been able to cultivate like a, or create like a med- a practice, like a meditation practice. And then what is some advice that you would give people listening if they're interested? Cause I think meditation is one of those things that everyone recommends. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter who you are, what you do. It's like meditate for five, 10 minutes a day. You'll be that much more successful or you'll mm-hmm. be that much more calm or you'll be able to sleep that much better. Mm-hmm. How have you been able to connect to meditation? And then what is advice that you would give people listening? My meditation practice started very similarly to my yoga practice where I was like, this is dumb and I hate it. Um, you know, over and over again, I tried and I was like, no, this is not for me. And I think that one of the problems was that I was start, I was trying to like be the person who like sat down and meditated for 30 minutes, you know, right from the start, because I'm always trying to do the most, (laughs) um, like, you know, chasing perfection. I want to be a perfect meditator. Um, and you know, there's no such thing, (laughs) no such thing as a perfect meditator. Um, so I think once I was able to kind of like find humility and like peel back and be like, okay, I'm going to meditate for a minute today, um, starting in smaller increments. And something that helped me a lot is kind of like, you know, talking to myself, almost like I speak to a fourth grader, like there's the metaphors I feel like help with meditation so much. Mm -hmm. So one of the big ones for me is like picturing yourself, like walking your dog in the dark and it's like pitch black, but you have a flashlight and you're shining the flashlight and you can't see except for what you're shining the flashlight on. Um, so there are times like, you know, I've been consistently meditating for a couple of years now, but there are still times where I'm just like having a, a rough day. And even for those like five minutes of meditation, like I physically have this like flashlight in my brain and like a thought comes up that I like don't want to focus on right now. And I, you know, like turn the flashlight the other way, like mentally, <laughs> like, and I think about, um, another one that I love is like thinking about meditation, like mail, like mm-hmm. you, you get your mail out and you've got all this mail and you're like going through it and you're like kind of sorting it into piles. Like I need to deal with this now, putting this in the drawer until later. And mm-hmm. that's kind of like the same thing that you do 
with your thoughts when you're meditating. Like, do I need to sit with this right now or can this wait? Yeah. Um, so that's been really big for me. And my advice, I think, would be to start with start with like an app, start with a guided meditation where you kind of have that distraction of somebody else. And it's not a distraction. It's more of a focal point. Um, but having somebody else's voice, mm-hmm. I think can be really helpful. Um, so I'm starting to build a headspace is amazing. And, um, if you happen to be a teacher, they do have free yep. for educators, uh, which is amazing. But I'm trying to build like my library of meditations as well, because I think it's, you know, something that you need an app to do it. Like if you want to like learn how to do it. Um, And I think it's just something that everybody should just have access access to. to. Yeah. A hundred percent. There's so much that you do do. And I know that you say you thrive in those environments. I know a lot of people also look at you and they're like, this person's a super like woman. There's just no way I can never do what they're doing. When you think about where you are in your professional career and where you are in your entrepreneurial journey and where you are in your education journey, personal education journey, Mm -hmm. what do you kind of look at as like your biggest challenge? Is it time management? Is it not enough hours in the day? Um, say your relationships. Yeah, I see that I, my biggest challenge right now is actually something that's out of my control. I think, like I said, I'm someone who thrives. Like I want to grow. I want to make money. Like I've always been a hustler. And one of the hardest parts about being in education is you can be the hardest worker. Um, and make the least amount of money. And there's no opportunity for like, there's no upward mobility unless you want to go back to school a million times and become this and then become a principal. And that's, I think that's my biggest challenge. Um, and I constantly go back to like, Oh, I know I would thrive in a career where like I could keep moving up and up and getting promotions. You know, there's no promotions in teaching, um, because it is like, uh, what do they call that? What's the word that's like, I don't know. You eventually get tenure and so forth. When you, you do. When yeah. You certain education spaces, um, but it's, you're not stagnant necessarily, but it kind of can feel like there's a level of complacency it, that's there. 100%, especially, you know, for somebody who's like always like looking for more, sure. you know, it's so, and you know, I don't, teach for money. Obviously if I no one does. picked a job for money, it would not be teaching. Yeah. Um, but I think that's the biggest challenge. The biggest challenge is like remembering my why and remembering that like, this is like my passion and, yeah. um, time management can definitely be hard, but I've learned like so many little tips and tricks that have like helped me with that. So we're going to have to have you share all your <laughs> tips and tricks in like a written form or something. I, I, um, I think what you just pointed out is like something that a lot of people struggle with that are in positions where they know what they're doing is their passion. Um, but maybe it doesn't always seem like it's, it's paying off or it's like giving them a hundred percent of what they need. Mm -hmm. I also feel like what you have shown is that there is like very purposefully what you are also 
trying to accomplish is this space where you are um, creating space for people to other people to heal, other people to grow as well. And that, you know, can also be part of what you do passionately mm-hmm. through what you're doing through teaching. Fourth grade's a really like pinnacle point in like yeah. a young person's life. So I um yeah, I mean, I'm, again, I'm just like very at awe of who you are and, and, and all the things that you do. Um, last thing I would say is you're sort of thinking about your challenge, but at the same point, um, thinking about your journey. Um, what's one piece of advice just in general that you would give anybody listening? One piece of advice um, is like the number one piece of advice. My dad always said this to us growing up and it was like a joke in the family, but I've realized like how true it is. Um, and it's just three words, make it happen. Um, my dad always said, make it happen. I signed a lease to come live in DC, um, that I knew I probably couldn't afford, but I knew I wanted to live in DC. I visited and I fell in love with the city. Um, and I went to my dad and I was like, I don't know if this is going to work. I don't even have a job yet. And he was like, make it happen. And low key, like my, you know, 65 year old white father has been like manifesting all his life, um, with all the hard work that comes with it. But that's definitely always in the back of my mind. Like you can literally do anything. I love that. Just make it happen. If, um, people want to, learn more about you, your journey, your growth, um, where they can take your classes, how they can access your classes online. How do they do all of that? Yes. So, um, you can follow me on Instagram at calm with Carlin. C-A-R-L-Y-N is Carlin. Um, and then my YouTube channel is also called calm with Carlin. Um, and I've been posting on there consistently, uh, once a week. So I think there's like 75 free classes now. Um, amazing. yeah. So hoping to keep growing that, but yeah, those are my two biggest places right now. YouTube and Instagram at calm with Carlin. Thank you so much for sharing with me your story, sharing with me um, some of the impactful moments that you've had along the way. Thank you for making me cry. I kind (laughs) of needed a little therapy to cry. I don't know what my problem is. Um, But I really, I just, I'm so... I'm so excited to see where this journey takes you. Um, you have just such like a, a strong, like rooted, um, there's something just about you that I'm really like impressed. And I, I really look forward to seeing how you continue to grow. That means so much coming from you. Thank you so much. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks. All right. That's the show. Thanks for tuning in. If you like what you heard, give us a follow on Instagram, driven by underscore blank, share it with your friends, pass along the good word, and for the love of God, continue to acknowledge your passions, let love be your guide, and always walk in purpose. Until next time, I'm Karen, and this has been a conversation about the intersection between passion and purpose.